You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 570 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a, I guess now a Monday morning. It's technically a Sunday night, but very, very late into the evening here. I'm actually on the road on assignment for my day job, but uh, so apologies for the lack of sound quality on today's podcast, but I wanted to get back with you guys, talk about what transpired actually on Friday as Travis Schlenk was uh, made available to the media, talk about some stuff before the draft process really kicks into high gear. The Hawks have been hosting workouts now for about a week or so, and they'll do they'll be doing more of that on Monday, but um, sort of with that as the backdrop, Schlenk addressed the media on a number of topics before the lottery began, so I wanted to pass along some audio from that interaction with my own thoughts interspersed along the way. So it's something new on the podcast, something different on the podcast. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. So first things first, um, this is the first question that he was actually asked um, in, in response to. Um, and there's a follow-up in actually in this, in this response from Chris Livermore of the AJC who asked the first question basically to uh, introduce and see where uh, Schlenk was on the whole process and uh, where they were before the lottery. So here's what he had to say to kick things off. Yeah, I mean, we like the position we're in. As we all know, right now we're sitting with the fifth odds and then potentially the ninth odds. Right. Um, so it'd be really exciting. Best case scenario for us, obviously, would be have one and nine, and right. that would that would be great for the franchise. Um, so we're we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's all in Jamie's court now, so we hope she gets her job done. But you don't look at it. You're not looking that far ahead enough. That says I'm not one that wastes a lot of time on things I can't control. Right. Which is essentially anything that happens at my house and the lottery. <laughs> As we've discussed quite a few times on the podcast, the Hawks will not know uh, their lottery fate for another about a week or so. That's actually next Tuesday on the 14th up in Chicago. But as Schlenk notes there, the best case scenario would be to have number one, number nine. That's not terribly likely, of course, because even if the Hawks get super lucky and get to number one, number nine could drop, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and it's kind of the right approach to have, you know, Schlenk. Talked about extensively what he's not worrying about right now, which is kind of what happens with the lotteries. I think they can really do about that. He referenced Jamie Gertz, who will be representing the Hawks on the stage as she did last year, and last year was a positive result. You know, the Hawks got the number three pick; they ended up trading down, but that was uh, a nice move, of course, adding the extra asset and getting the player they wanted in Trey Young. So, you know, even if you don't love a player, if you land at two or three, we'll talk more about these guys later on. You know, the the value of getting into that lottery in that top three or four, um, where actually this year is the first time they actually be drawn for the top four instead of the top three. There's plenty to like about that. So, want to pass along that story, set the tone here, and we'll have a couple more of these questions and answers as we go along. Uh, the next question that he actually answered that I want I will comment on afterwards um, actually stems from um, what the expectations were internally for the Hawks this season. That was actually after Chris Kirchner of the Athletic, who you'll hear again in this clip in the middle as he pivots to Lori Pierce. So I wanted to play you what Schlenk had to say about um, this season, both as a whole and as an evaluation of what Lloyd Pierce did in his first year as a team tech coach. Well, that's a good question. I think that we projected ourselves around 25 wins, so we exceeded expectations. Um, you know, I don't do that. We have an analytics staff that guys a lot smarter than I do that crunch their numbers and project where things are going to end up. But I think we were at 25, 25 wins right around there, 26 before the start of the season. How do you uh, evaluate Lloyd's job this season, and do you feel like, you know, looking back, that he was the right guy for his job? No, I think I made a huge mistake, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, we feel like Lloyd did a great job, you know, going through the interview process. You know, I said this the day we hired him. Like, he, he stood out. Um, 
He has a great ability to connect with the guys. He did a great job at the beginning of the year keeping the mood and vibe positive when things weren't going well. And then obviously you saw all the things we kept doing on a daily basis. You saw the improvement of our young guys. You saw the improvement of the team in general. So we're very pleased with Lloyd and uh, really the league's noticed. You know, it's a huge honor for him to be on the national team coaching staff. We're extremely excited for that. So we couldn't be happier with Lloyd and the job he's and his whole staff did this year. So obviously not a huge surprise that uh, Schlenk would praise Lloyd Pierce because Basically, everyone that I've spoken to on, uh, you know, off the podcast and anywhere that I've discussed uh, Pierce with, you know, around the league, either on and off the record, everyone seems to agree that he's doing a fantastic job and that everyone kind of likes Lloyd Pierce. So no, no big surprise there. Um, I think it was pretty clear that he did a very, very good job. There are things that he'll have to improve on as the team gets more competitive. But, you know, the overall shot prof- profile has been really encouraging. His player development stuff is uh, above reproach, frankly, and his, his interactional stuff, his leadership things, um, you know, Pierce is very well respected. So no question about any of that. I thought it was interesting that uh, Schlenk even um, was willing to give up the internal projection of uh, 25 wins that he referenced in the answer originally. So, you know, obviously I think it would not be a surprise that that was the number or it was somewhere in there because that was most of the you know external projections for the Hawks this season were in the low to mid 20s. You know, 25 would have been considered reasonably high. I had them in, the, by the, in about that same range and was considered to be pretty positive about the team heading, the, heading into the last season. It's probably interesting to remember now that the Hawks were widely projected number 30 overall in the NBA by a lot of different people, power, power rankings-wise. You know, They were sometimes in a, in a bottom tier, but they were basically no one was picking the Hawks to finish fifth worst in the league, which is where they ended up landing. So uh, that obviously is a situation where they overachieved, especially when, when remembering that Collins missed extended time. They ended up losing losing Jeremy Lin midseason and going to a backup point guard that, that had not been playing. So, you know, with all that personnel stuff on the table, they did a really good job overall. But I did think it was interesting and noteworthy that Schleich was even willing to talk about the projection, even while noting that uh, appropriately it was not his projection. The analytics department definitely has uh, more of that stuff in mind. But also the Hawks kind of nailed um, their projection of Dallas. They were, uh, you know, Schleich said on this podcast uh, over the uh, Christmas break or so, and then again uh, with Chris Kirchner of The Athletic publicly that they had um, Dallas in the 8-9 range, and they you know ended up nailing that projection. So shout out to the analytics staff for uh, putting all that together. But I thought it was pretty interesting to hear Schlenk at least admit on the record what the internal projection was before the season began. Uh, before we get to the rest of the in- interview and the answers that Schlenk gave to the media on Friday, I do want to take a moment to tell you about the good folks at Zip Recruiter because hiring is challenging and there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses can, can connect to qualified candidates and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there because with their powerful te- matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your particular job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one of them and spotlights the top candidates so you'd never miss a great match. And it's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day that the listing is available. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for absolutely free at, this, at, a, at an exclusive web address ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. L O C K E D O N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Okay, we talked about the rest of the availability just now with Travis Schlank. The next question that I want to address on the podcast is that he was actually asked about the concept of the team drafting best player available. That's been a very popular notion and kind of what the Hawks draft plan will be in a vacuum. So here's what he had to say about the team's mindset heading into the lottery and the draft. 
you know, we're still in a development stage. We feel good about the development we made this year. Um, but I think it's important not to jump steps. You know, we're still going to take the best players we can. When you look at the playoffs now, the position is basketball is really what's out there. So we're going to keep getting at the best talent we can, keep adding them to the mix, and then we'll figure out how to blend them all together on the back end. In general, I definitely agree that that's where the Hawks should be in a development stage, and they've been uh, pretty consistent between Lloyd Pierce and Travis Schlenk in saying that they do not want to jump steps and skip steps ahead, and that's that's the right approach, in my opinion, that you take this thing slowly and rebuild properly in that way without trying to speed things up and getting in yourself into a situation where you're overpaying for veterans, et cetera, et cetera, and trying to speed things up. But with that said, uh, the follow-up question was actually about taking a point guard in the lottery. And that's a very interesting thing um, through the presence of John Morant. Specifically, I've been on record as saying that they should not be trying to take John Morant. But here's what Travis Slank had to say when asked about um, about point guard specifically and the positionless basketball comment that he made moments ago. And now here's what he had to say about that. If we felt like he was the best player, you know, we're, we're going to obviously take a long, hard look at it. Um, again, a lot of that's going to be played out on the 14th once we figure out where we are. Um, but they're teams want point guards and point guards have value too and I think last year proved that we're not scared to take a pick and collect more assets you know really these lottery picks are the most valuable things we have Um, so we have to maximize those. Again not a huge surprise that Schlenk would say that if the best player was a point guard that they were going to take a long hard look at it that was the quote there from him and um, that's something that he has to say a lot of people were quick to point out on my uh, my Twitter timeline when I was tweeting through this live that uh, you know, Schlenk famously said last year at the draft that they were going to evaluate you know Dennis Schroeder and Trey Young playing together. I thought at the time and said at the time that there was no way they were actually going to do that. And of course, they traded Dennis Schroeder uh, a few weeks later. Um, same sort of things apply, applies here. I kind of believe it when I see it with them taking a point guard, especially with their with their own pick. I think if you get into later on into the 9, 10, 11 range, maybe if Kobe White drops there and you think he's the best player, maybe maybe you could take him. I probably still wouldn't do that, but it makes more sense. As for Morant or Darius Garland in the top five, I just can't see them doing that. And I think you know it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, that Schlenk referenced kind of unprompted um, the uh, reference to last year and that they were willing and proven last year they were able to take a pick and collect more assets by trading down. That's something that I would recommend in this draft, especially if a point guard is still there, uh, if Morant's there at two or three, if they get that pick, you absolutely would have to trade it, in my opinion, and at least put it on the market and see what the highest bid would be. Same might go for Garland at four or five. It doesn't mean you have to trade down, but if you try to find a team that is point guard needy that wants to come up and get one, move down a spot or two or three, that's totally fine. Get another asset and get um, a player that you still like uh, later on in the draft. So, Worth pointing out as well. Um, next things, I'm not going to play the audio for you. A couple of these things because the audio was kind of uh, I was trying to tweet, and it's not the greatest audio in the world. So he did he did cover two more topics that I wanted to share with you, and I have the uh, quotes in front of me. He talked about um, he was actually asked about free agent pitches and kind of what the Hawks might be looking for in the future. I like, didn't speak about players obviously, but he said you know the pitch to free agency would be sort of a cumulative one between uh, referencing the new arena, the practice facility, and of course the team's young core and the buzz surrounding those guys. That's sort of the overarching pitch to free agency. Also, Schlenk did reference the presence of cap space. In fact, the teams, the Hawks are one of the few teams in the entire league that can offer a max contract with no strings attached to anyone. They have that kind of cap space and flexibility. That's something that's definitely useful, whereas some teams have to clear space. The Hawks wouldn't even have to do that. They can just go out and offer any, any deal that anybody wants at any point in time right now. And also, of course, he cites the pre- presence of Trey Young. He was asked about Young as um, just sort of specifically as his uh, appeal to free agency. I think he Schleich was pretty clear in saying that he should be attracted to the rest of the league and the way that he makes others better. Talked about how a lot of guys, especially bigs, you know, John Collins, Wayne Dedman, Alex Lynn had career years playing with Trey Young. No coincidence there, obviously, because of Trey's passing ability and the way that he 
you know, draws the defense and finds guys and his vision and his acumen overall, that'll be a selling point to be sure. I tend to agree with that. You know, most of the top, top, top free agents want to see a little bit more. They don't all, they don't often want to jump on with a young guy this early, but at the same time, Young was so good and uh, he's definitely a high profile name and someone who players seem to like quite a bit. And that's a compliment of his skill set and the way that he's been able to play so far um, and all that stuff. So it can't hurt to have a guy like Trey Young on the roster. And that's something that kind of Travis was pointing out as well. Um, next thing that I wanted to pass along without audio is uh, he was actually asked about having five, having five picks potentially in this class and all the second round picks specifically. I'm going to read the exact quote to you for context sake. And here's what Schlank had to say. And I quote, we have nine guys right now under contract guaranteed for next year. Obviously, we have the five draft picks. We probably don't want to add five rookies to the team. So we'll take a lot take a look a lot of different things, whether it's a draft and stash, whether it be like last year we took a pick and traded for two future picks. We'll look at trying to package picks to move up, end quote. So nothing groundbreaking here, obviously, because of the fact that he referenced all this, all the possible scenarios, basically staying put, trading down, stashing guys, and trading picks to move up. That's all the possible scenarios, so nothing huge to take away there. But he did, he did say fairly definitively that they do not want to add five picks to the team, at least probably and that's something that we've we've long discussed on this podcast, on Twitter, and on the site, all, all that fun stuff. I think we kind of all assume that um, with reason. I think I was educated assumption on my part, and he was able to say this out loud. You know, the Hawks last year famously didn't want four rookies. That's why they traded out. I thought that they, that, that they probably could have taken four rookies pretty easily with all the empty roster spots that they had last year at, 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 at a pretty deep draft. This year, the draft isn't as deep, isn't as quality, and they have more guys under contract. So it makes all the sense in the world that they would not want to take five, take, take five rookies and have them all in training camp next year. They can still make five picks, and if they did that, I think at least one of them will be a stash. That's just my guess, um, based on you know what he said here, what I've heard privately, etc. But I think you know at the end of the day, it will surprise me if the Hawks don't make a single trade in the draft, whether it be in the lottery, in the second round, or both. They'll be pretty active that night, and I think I expect a trade of some sort with one of those picks somewhere along the way um, that night. So. All that to say, that's kind of what he laid out in terms of that one particular uh, that one particular topic. A couple more things that I wanted to pass along before we get out of here. Um, one of these was actually my question. I actually asked Travis about the uh, about basically just taking wings and the uh, positionless basketball comment that he made earlier. Reference that sort of the, that you can't take too many wings. You can't have too many wings corollary. So here's my question and what he had to say about filling out the roster on the wing. You mentioned positionless basketball earlier. There's a lot of guys in, in maybe in your theoretical range that are wings. Are you someone who subscribes that you can't have too many wings kind of corollary where you just want it because those guys are super valuable in the way the game is being played now? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a bunch of wings on our roster right now. Um, listen, I've said it a hundred times and it sounds really elementary, but you know, being able to dribble, pass, and shoot uh, in today's league is really important. Um, if you're a guy out there and you can't do one of those things, you're almost a liability. Um, so I, I would have no problem adding another six foot seven to six foot ten guy that can play on their perimeter to the roster because you'll just they'll just find a way for them to get on the floor. This was a very Travis Slank answer, and then he immediately pivoted to guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, that's not a coincidence. They like those kind of guys uh, clearly. 
you know, that's a priority for their organization. Everyone they've drafted so far can do all those things, even the bigs in Collins and Spellman. So uh, much more of that, I would say, in the future. But certainly not a situation where they would be looking to avoid wings, uh, even with all the wings they have on the roster. Technically, right now, they have Kevin Herter. They have Torian Prince. They have DeAndre Bembry. Uh, and, of course, they still have Kent Bazemore, who's more of a short-term guy. But, um, you know, they're going to have to add. I, this is me talking now. They're going to need to add at least one wing in this class, in my opinion, based on the talent that's available in this class, whether it be a pure 2-3 guy or someone who could be more of a 3-4 like DeAndre Hunter. Um, they need someone that, that can play the 3 long-term. Even if they like Torian Prince quite a bit, and there was some questions about Torian on, during the availability that um, we're not going to dive into here, but you know, even if, regardless of, kind of how you feel about Prince, they, even if you love Prince more than anything in the world, which I don't necessarily would, would not apply to me necessarily right now, I do think that you know, even if you loved him, you should go ahead and go ahead and be able to be able and willing to add another wing in the draft because uh, you can't have too many of them, and the Hawks don't have that many options that you would want to use in a high-level playoff series, at least right now. Uh, quickly, I followed up with a question about um, defense. I actually asked about the potential that they needed to add defensive talent, something that I've, of course, if you are a long-time listener of the podcast, you would know that I'm a little bit worried about the Hawks and their lack of defensive talent right now on the roster. So, I, of course, I had to ask about that. It's a very on-brand question for me. But here's Travis and what he had to say about the defense and whether that would be a priority in this year's draft. Is there any special em- emphasis on defense, knowing that that's where you struggled the most this year in the draft looking for, or is it someone you're just looking for all two-way guys eventually? You know, again, like I said, we're at a point where I think we just need to keep stockpiling talent, and then we'll figure it out. I mean, obviously, there'll be internal growth on our young players uh, defensively. I thought you saw that this year, if you paid attention closely at the beginning of the year, when there'd be a switch and Trey would get on a guy and they'd roll him in the post, you know, Trey would stay on him. And then by the end of the year, you'd see when there's a switch and Trey would get on a guy, a wing from the weak side would kick him out to the corner and take him. Like those small things that just take time for a young basketball team and young players to figure out are going to help um, our defensive numbers in general. I would say that I agree with what Travis said about the uh, sort of internal development that they had this year, and they got better. You know, even Trey Young, as he referenced, did get better during the season. Um, I am on record, though, and I still believe this that they're going to have to draft or acquire talent defensively. There is some internal growth that will uh, will almost certainly happen with some of these guys who are young, especially you know your Trey Youngs, your John Collins, your Kevin Herders. Um, those guys are going to get better defensively as they get um, you know older and more mature and stronger and just you know better acumen all that stuff but i do think if you look at the highest levels of the league your gold states your houston's um there are teams that just have defensive talent as well it's a combination of internal development and improved awareness and all that stuff but at some point you need good talent as well to win at the highest level defensively and uh, there is talent to defense it's not only about uh, you know energy level and all that stuff it does help to be attentive and energetic but um talent also helps as well and you need guys who have measurables and have the ability to you know, physically hold up, et cetera. So I do think at some point they're going to have to prioritize defense. I do. I sort of expected the answer that he that he gave, and that they're not going to go out and do that now on purpose. I totally get that. They don't have to draft defense just because they need that. But I do think at some point you might swing too far in the offense direction if you don't at least think about having two way guys um, on on the roster moving forward. So. No huge surprise in the way he answered this question, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just think at some point along the way, whether it be free agency or in the draft or in trade, they're going to have to get some more defensive talent, um, especially when you, uh, you know, when your your best player, your best prospect right now is Trey Young, um, who I don't think is going ever going to be a, a stopper defensively. So you're going to have to keep that in mind. It doesn't mean you have to do it have to do it right now because again, it needs to be a long term rebuild, no skip steps, all that fun stuff that he has referred to. 
even on this podcast that we talked about quite a bit along the way. It's just that you know I had to ask the question because you know this is a draft where a lot of guys um, have two-way potential. I think the only game-changing defender that's a projected top five, six, seven pick is Zion, and of course, only one team can get him. Um, everybody else that's around, you know, you have guys who are. Uh, Definitely quality defensive projection options like Hunter, like even Culver, like Reddish. Those guys all project as two-way kind of players that have real defensive potential, but not really like, you know, uber upside defensively. I think aside from Zion, the only guy who might have that kind of game-changing potential defensively is Brandon Clark, who is a little bit older. You wouldn't necessarily project that flat out. So, you know, it's not always about drafting for that kind of uh, positional fit or scheme fit, defensive fit, you want all the stuff that you need, but something to keep in mind in the future. And uh, again, I just felt like I had to ask the question because it's very on brand for me to uh, keep defense at the forefront. So and I know there's a lot of information to throw at you on one podcast, but I wanted to pass along, take you behind the curtain just a little bit. I know a lot of us wrote about what transpired there. So you've probably seen some of these quotes from Travis Schlenk, but it's a little bit different to hear it every once in a while. And I want to kick off, kick off the week with some, uh, some fresh content. I do have some plans to have a guest up here, uh, at least one or two guests um, over, over the course of this week on the podcast. Hopefully that will be happening in the future. I am still on the road for a little while longer, so it isn't always quite as easy, but I'll be back hopefully by Thursday, um, at least back to Atlanta. And I'm hoping to have the guest even before then live from Florida. And we'll, help, we'll definitely patch that in as we get forward here. So please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about the show, but check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Himalaya app, um, all those places, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, you know, all kinds of podcast providers that are out there. Go ahead and find us on your favorite one of those and press the subscribe button, leave positive feedback, and we'll see everybody later on in the week.